0: Judy's going to read to us a passage of scripture. You find it in your bulletin already printed. If you want to just turn there to it, it's on the inside panel. And underneath it, there are some lines that give you the opportunity to make some notes that you may want to write down that come to your thoughts uh, in the next few hours um, and in these next few minutes. And so I want you to hear the scripture Judy's going to read. I ask you to do it with this context. The author of Ephesians is, encouraging the church to live into what the church could be to live into the future that's possible in Christ and i want you to hear these words at the end of chapter 4 as if they were describing the kind of community that you could live in tomorrow the kind of family that you could live in tomorrow the kind of country ...that you could live in tomorrow. It's an invitation for us all. if you'll share with us from Ephesians 4... ...beginning at the 25th verse.
1: So then, putting away falsehood... ...let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors... ...for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger... And do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up their stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal with the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all the malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks
0: be to God. God. We've called on your name in frustration, in need. We've called out your name this week, Lord, to give you thanks for blessing. And we come to you now calling upon your name that you would move through our lives and in this moment collectively and personally. Let the words in my mouth and everything else that might be possible be used as a conduit to your grace and lead us to the message, to the decision point and to the actions of our lives lived faithfully this coming week, to your glory in the name of Christ. Amen. Michael Xavier Johnson. Brent Thompson. Patrick Zamarapa. Michael Kroll, Lauren Ahrens, Michael Smith, Alton Sterling, Blaine Salamani, Howie Lake, Philando Castile, Geronimo Yanez, Joseph Cowser. These are some of the names that have been flashing on our screens and in our papers over the last couple of weeks. They are some of the people who have been caught up in an entree created with ingredients of hate, distrust, fear, racism, and despair mixed with violence in places like Baton Rouge, St. Paul, and Dallas. They are not the first names that have been caught up in this violent racial divide, nor will they be the last. Some of these lives are the lives of those who've been victimized. Some of these names are the names of the shooters. All of them leave behind those who love them and grieve them now. I begin my remarks today by listing up these names because I cannot escape the pain of what is happening in my country, nor can I escape the discomfort that is within my own soul. I lift them up because if we dared to walk through this worship hour and not mention them, not think about this, not acknowledge this, then this entire worship would be a sham. Real, true worship only occurs when we place the truth of our world and our lives before God and ask that God might make of our anguish and our pain and our hopes and our fears something more than we could ever imagine. I planned for a long time, for a number of months ago now since last April, that I would be speaking today on the what and whys of forgiveness. Forgiveness. I just didn't know then what I know now of the desperate need to talk about forgiveness that this week would provide. Now, it's not that I didn't think forgiveness wouldn't be relevant on any Sunday. Each and every one of us stand in the need of forgiveness on any given day. Amen? From God, yes. From friends, from neighbors. Spouses, everyone we meet gives us an opportunity on a daily basis to either display our humanity or witness humanity. There are times when we have been blessed to be forgiven for our wrongs and we celebrate those times. There are times we have been able to forgive others out of mercy and generosity, and those are holy moments. There are other times when we have yearned for forgiveness that would never come, and quite frankly, there's some forgiveness that we still are withholding. We've all been wronged and hurt. Sometimes that has been innocently and unintentionally and sometimes viciously. We have lived and lived with pain and hurt and anger, and as a result, our lives are silted, and there are moments that we still feel like we're carrying around 50-pound sacks of guilt and shame and hate. Any amens there? Forgiveness and our struggle with it are part of the journey, the journey of our lives and our faith. Back in 2011, in the spring of 2011, Pastor Amy and I preached a series. On forgiveness. I'm sure you remember it well. And if you want to revisit the hits of that series, you can go to the church website, in all seriousness, go to the worship page. I've asked Colin, and he has graciously put a link on there. You can go back and check out what we said back in 2011. Some of you still don't have it right yet, you know. In that series, we talked about forgiveness from a number of angles, including how we must experience and share forgiveness in every relationship we have, including the relationships we have with God, with ourselves, and with others. We talked about the need to forgive others. And I want to suggest to you today what is said then is true today, that forgiving others begins with our memory. Not the way we often do it, which is, I remember exactly how you screwed me over. That's a memory, somehow, is always the last to leave us, amen? We we have a great way of remembering how you messed me up. But the memory I'm asking us to invoke is the memory of who we are. The memory of our own humanity the memory of the times that we have messed others over, the memory of the frailty of our lives, the memory how easy it is for us to blame others and want full escape and pardon for ourselves. When we remember that when I deal with the pain of life, I do so today not simply as Rick Dake or fill in your name, but as a child of Jesus Christ, a disciple of the way, then I have to inevitably understand that in living my life, if I claim that for myself, I must live my life after the way which Christ lived his, which includes this unbelievable depth of forgiveness that God alone gives through Christ. To forgive others means that we refuse to stay victimized by the acts that have hurt us, and we choose never to allow the power of those past acts to continue in our life. To forgive another, I believe, rarely means we forget. Have you, been, have you heard that before? The, to forgive is to forget? Any of you have trouble with that forgetting part? I don't want to suggest to you that I think it's invalid. It may be one thing. For Jody to have hurt me, she's right in my line of sight, so she gets to be my pick-on today. It may be one thing for Jody to have hurt me, and for me to forgive her, to forget about it, as if somehow it never happened. Or, I can choose to recognize that between us, we have a real human relationship. And that day, she messed me over. And on that day, I messed her over. And we have chosen to forgive each other and love each other as brother and sister, fully recognizing the humanity that has been and the humanity that is becoming. Do you understand? I don't think you have to forget. I quite frankly don't think some memories of your life you'll ever forget. But you choose how much power they have over you today. Forgiveness is the choice to be freed from the past. Now, I want to say this very clearly. To be forgiven is not necessarily to be exempt from the consequences of wrongdoing. I cannot stop the consequences of my actions. Sometimes the actions of betrayal and attacking and letting people down are so profound, I cannot stop what they create in the future. Even when we are forgiven, or even when we give forgiveness, there may be scars that remain. There may be changes that need to happen. Wrongs leave scars, break hearts, and create damage that can bring lasting change. Forgiveness may not do away with the consequences of past actions. But forgiveness can set us free to live a new life. Forgiveness can allow us to part amicably, peacefully, respectfully. Sometimes, in the face of those who cannot stop hurting us, whatever that hurt may be, it is necessary and the right and faithful act to get away from that person or those people. The act of forgiveness does not replace justice. You and I and others do not get a pass on hurting each other in the name of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness means I'm sorry to the extent that I'm finished behaving that way. And sometimes even with our best intents people cannot stop themselves from the injury they do and those who are being injured need to have the body of Christ rally around them and let them know it's okay for them not to be the abused victims of those who can't stop what they do. To move forward in a relationship where wrongs have happened, the wrongs must stop. Forgiveness is not permission for others to continue to do injury. But forgiveness, here, this, church, is also not the opportunity for us to seek justice. But forgiveness is also about us seeking justice without seeking revenge. Forgiveness does not mean I get to take my last shot at you before you taking, stop taking shots at me. Forgiveness is setting set ourselves and others free from the actions of the past with an expectation of a new future. It is what Christ intended in his acts of forgiveness. His actions of forgiveness always had eschatological expectation. That is to say, Jesus Christ always forgave people looking to the future. He wanted people to move from the sin of the past into a future where that sin was removed. The future is an invitation for us to know that we can live beyond the brokenness. We can live beyond the sin, the distortion, as we talked about it last week. Oh, and also, in case any of you ever run into this, sometimes people think forgiveness comes with strings. You know, George, I'll forgive you as long as you dot, dot, dot. It's not forgiveness, that's manipulation. Forgiveness is I forgive you, and I'm willing to start over with you fresh, which sets you free to start over fresh without me telling you what to do. Forgiveness is about freedom, not continued punishment or control. We also, in that series, talked a little bit about the need to forgive ourselves. Ever felt guilty for something you've done? Shame for something you've done? So much shame and guilt, you have a hard time even speaking about it? Some of us need to be aware of the wrongs that we commit. We are oblivious to them. We are blindly unaware of the damage we're leaving in our pathway. But I almost suggest most of us have a different story. We carry around so much guilt. Any of you wish you'd have been a better parent? a better spouse, a better fill-in-the-blank? How many of you have carried for too long the blame that is not yours for others in your life because they want to tell you they're, you're the reason that they're screwed up, that they're hurting? I know there's got to be an amen out there somewhere to that. Forgiving ourselves means that we need to lay down those things and surrender them to Christ. We can't change the past, but for God's sake in the kingdom of heaven, we do not allow the past to dictate the future. Start living as the free child of God that you are. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I've screwed up. Yes, welcome to humanity. I wish that when we were born... Somehow in that subconscious state we're in, as we're trying to figure out what the past is about, somebody would teach us to say, hey, little Ricky, you're a human being. In your wake, you're going to make people feel really good, and in your wake, you're going to really badly hurt people. Welcome to the human race. So you're going to need to learn how to forgive, and you're going to need to learn how to accept forgiveness, because it's a part of our journey. I get it. I understand what it is to carry that burden. I just come to a gospel that keeps saying it's time to lay it down. Only then can a new future emerge. Only then can the people that we have injured or hurt begin to have the possibility of also not being taken back all the time to those past moments where we're set free from letting them define us. When Jesus caught the woman in adultery, that is to say when the crowd caught the woman in adultery, and they dragged her with public humiliation through the streets and threw her at the feet of Jesus ready to stone her, he walks up and he says what he says about throwing the first stone. You remember that? Those without sin cast the first stone, and eventually they all disperse because they recognize no one has the right to throw the stone. Then Jesus looks at the woman and he says, Who is left to condemn you? She looks around and says, no one. And he says, what? You remember? You better remember this for the rest of your life. He says to her, caught in sin, ain't no doubt about it. We all know she transgressed. We all know she screwed up. You know what Jesus Christ said to her? Therefore, neither do I condemn you. Where in the world do we get off condemning others if the Lord and Savior of our life won't condemn them? And if we can't condemn others, don't you think it's time we quit condemning ourselves? We talked about what it is to forgive God. Now, there's some people who immediately get nervous about, oh, how could you ever say that you need to forgive God? God is perfect, and they get all defensive. Well, let me explain something to you. I've spent a lot of my life with people who blame God and are angry at God. Ever met those people? Ever looked at him in the mirror? Because you felt that God was not responsive, God was not present, or quite frankly, maybe God did something, that you blame God for that injured a loved one or yourself. I think there's a lot of need to forgive God in this world. Because there's a whole lot of people who are holding God at arm's length because of things they believe God has done. And you can sit there all day long and convince them that God is a loving God. They've got God wrong. That's not the way God is. And you know what I've discovered after all that talk? It's wasting your time. if you feel like God has injured you if you feel like God has hurt you that is what you feel so maybe the first thing you need to do is be in a community of faith that says it's okay to be angry at God it's okay to question God it's okay to do that I hope so because I know I've done it in the past like in the last I don't know Half hour? And this is the perfect place to tell God off. I love telling God off. One, it's a little comical when you think about it, right? I mean, really? (laughs) Hey, God! God's going, yeah, it's Rick again, you know. But every time I have screamed at God cursed God's name wept at God's feet I have never found a time when my anger my hate my resentment my questioning my doubt was bigger than God. It has never happened. And after I've poured myself out at the bottom of God's feet and forgiven God for what I think God did or didn't do you know who's left there with me? God, and we start over again. Well, that's the sermon I wanted to give today. How am I doing so far? So here's the sermon I'm now going to give. What does my conversation about forgiveness say about our national divide? You want to take forgiveness out for a test drive? Take it out between young black men and policemen in this country. How does it apply there? We begin by owning the truth that we all share. We have fear and distrust of one another. It exists. It's real. Have you ever walked up to a car? Late at night with the windows rolled up? Not knowing if on the other side of the glass is a gun or a scared teenager? It's real. Have you ever been pulled over for no other reason than the fact you happen to be black in the wrong neighborhood? It's real. There's legitimate fear and distrust for reasons that are not made up in this country. We need to own them. We need to be honest about them. But we also, at the same time, need to share the fact that that officer walking up to the car on any given night just wants to go home to their family, in most cases. And we need to understand the fact that most of the black men driving around in the neighborhoods are just doing the same thing you're doing, driving through the neighborhood. For us to begin to do what is necessary, we'll have to claim the truth of our humanity, the fears and distrust that we share, and the common ground we all have. We're going to have to start a dialogue that will begin in the most bizarre places, including with you and whoever you talk to this week. You know where it's going to really start? Oh, there'll be a national stage and there'll be speakers lining up But you know where it really starts? When you are this week facing somebody, talking to somebody, and they start talking about all those stupid black people or all those hate-filled cops. And you can choose to be silent or you can choose to speak up. Because if we want to remain part of the silent majority, then we need to recognize we are no less guilty than the bakers working their job outside of Auschwitz. The church and the people of the church are the people who begin to change the conversation in the country. They always have been, and it's time for you and I to stake our claim. And you may think it won't matter in little old Clarkston. You never know what God will use to matter in this world. Just make sure you're on God's side of the conversation, okay? As I was looking at the word forgiveness this week, this came to me. Maybe someone else did it before me. I don't know. I didn't, it came out of my head. I looked at the word forgiveness. You know what I find decided it means? It means forgiving what is necessary. When we are in a state of forgiveness, we are forgiving what is necessary to make God's purpose happen. Forgiving what is necessary so healing can occur, we will have to confess our culpability and complacency. Forgiving what is necessary, we will have to work hard to actually understand each other. Listen to each other and understand that all of the broad categories and way in which we talk to each other are invalid. Forgiving what is necessary will require us to be set free from the past. And to only do that, the only way is to create a new way of relating, new areas where we can connect and a new future in those relationships. For giving what is necessary, we'll have to quit talking and thinking that all is ever true. All black men are not dangerous, neither are all police predators. When we can begin to acknowledge that there are some black men who are dangerous and some police who are predators, but the majority of both groups simply want to have a chance to raise their families in peace we will begin to have the kind of godly conversation that we need to have with each other. You see, I believe that the words that Judy just read to you a few minutes ago actually were always intended for this country in July of 2016. I believe these words of Ephesians 4 are an invitation for us to decide what kind of community and culture we want to live in. I think they may apply to your own household. Hear them again as an invitation for this country and for you and me to consider what we will do for what is necessary to make it happen. Putting away all falsehood, let us speak truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not make room for the devil. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with the seal for the day of redemption. Put away God's Please put away all your bitterness and all your wrath and anger and wrangling and slander and together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven each and every one of us. May this come true by what we choose today, and how we will live tomorrow. Amen.